Merry Christmas. I may be a little over enthusiastic because number one, I get to do another podcast with my good friend, Carrie. <laughs> it's fun to be here with you, Cammy. I love it. We're just hanging out on Friday night, just doing our thing. Just doing our thing. <laughs> Girls night. And number two, I get to recap a Christmas story that I have been listening to my entire life and Carrie's brand new to it. So you get the two different perspectives and it's right up there with Man from Snowy River. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We are here to talk about The Forgotten Carols. This was written and composed by uh, composer Michael McLean. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he wrote it in 1990, I believe. And, excuse me, and he started, it started out as a book, as as a a story with songs that went to it. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, and he started performing it uh, as a, as a one man show, then a two person show and expanded and expanded until you see the version that we see today. He said that, uh, when we talked to him, Rachel and I, he said that he get, just kept tweaking it until it, until it was right until he got the version that he, that he completed in 2019 and that is the version that is now available on DVD, Hallmarkies. <laughs> it's, it's good. You can tell it's fresh. You know, it's really modern. It's really this day and age. So even though he wrote it in the 90s, it has has real up-to-date tweaks to it. So yes. He worked hard on that. Classic story with the modern day tweaks. That's a good, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> okay. So now the question is. Am I going to be able to get through it without nostalgia and emotion overtaking me? Yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) You can. Like like we said, you are a professional. But what helps in this, in a recap of a movie like this or a show like this, is is that nostalgia and is that memory of it takes you back. You know, this was so fresh to me, so new. I had not, I was not familiar with this story, with this composer or with this Christmas movie at all until a couple weeks ago but what helped me was that I'm the bible is central to my faith and to my life and so I love the original Christmas story and so Mm -hmm. anything to do with the original Christmas story I mean that that whole idea of God giving his gift the greatest gift of his son to the world you know to bring light to the darkness and to bring you know, you know, peace where there was oppression and injustice. I mean, it's amazing. But in his divine nature and irony, he sends a baby, you know, I mean, like this whole thing is just fantastic. And it's inspiring. (laughs) And it has inspired great music for like throughout history. And so this this film is no exception. I mean, this music was great. So I mean, we'll talk about that too. But I can (laughs) see (laughs) that the original Christmas story that he was inspired by is is timeless. It really is for every age and every person and every time. It's true. It's true. And he he told us that what he wanted was a Christmas story that actually focused on Jesus. Yeah. Because we have so many Christmas stories, yeah. but not many that actually focus on the savior of the world yeah. who the whole season is about if you are a Christian. Right. <laughs> I mean, we love love. We love peace. We love good tidings of comfort and joy. We love kindness. And we love <laughs> kindness. We love joy, and that is so valuable to focus on. But it's so neat when we get to see the, where it originated from. Where did this originate from? It's from God's very own idea. So anyway, <laughs> I it was great. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Can you tell we're getting a little excited about this, Hallmarkies? <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, worthwhile. So worthwhile. It is, yeah. it is indeed. It is indeed. So I grew up with the story. I found it when I was probably 
about eight years old. I was at a conference, a religious conference with my, uh, with my parents and a young man who was probably 20 got up and performed the song Joseph. And as, and so Hallmarkies, uh, forgive me for a moment because I'm going to sing you a couple of lyrics. <laughs> um, here's here's part of the song that is so moving. Then the carpenter repeated what he'd said so many times. He said I was not his father. He was mine. And just the reminder that a mortal man was asked to raise the son of God and how, how daunted he must have felt yeah. and, to, and that he remembered that he was raising the savior who was the father of his salvation. Right. It was so beautiful. And even for an eight-year-old heart, I could feel myself being very touched. And then I look in front of me at my mother and she's got waterfalls coming oh. up. <laughs> I mean, that's, you bring up such a good point, though, that something that Michael McLean said in his um, play. Or yes. This, and he said, you know, Joseph, who wondered, what could I teach him? You know, he what has everything teach to teach him? me. What could I teach him? And I had, I sat there, I paused the show and I was like, I just really had never thought that before. And we know Joseph taught him carpentry. You know, he raised him. He was, he was his teacher, but to have that eternal weight of this is the God of the universe. What if I mess up? <laughs> right. Like, what I teach him. It's really, it was a beautiful, beautiful, um, song and beautiful part of the play yeah yeah it really was um there's there's that line have you seen the movie the nativity story um joseph says joseph says in that i wonder if i will be able to teach him anything uh mary mary says do you want do you wonder when we'll know and joseph says no what when he's more than just a child uh -huh. will it be a look in his eye Mm. Will it be something he says? Yeah. And he, and he's, and Joseph says, I wonder if I will be able to teach him anything. Oh. It's just, yeah. And so we actually, we were getting in the car. I remember it so clearly. We were getting in the car and that young man was walking down the sidewalk and we stopped him. And my, and my, my mom said, oh, that was just the most beautiful song. Where did you get that? And he said, it's called The Forgotten Carols by Michael McLean. And we had heard of him. We uh -huh. knew who he was, but we had no idea who the forgotten, uh, what the forgotten carols were. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> then it became a, a Christmas tradition then for you. Oh, we listen. I wore out that cassette tape. We listened to it every year. <laughs> okay. So that is probably, that is probably my favorite song from, yeah. from the film, uh, because of the experience. So Carrie, what's, what's your favorite song? Oh, that is, that is so great. I, I really loved this song about the star ornament. Um, it was really intriguing to me that they, you know, they were just saying over and over again, um, I wrote it down. Can we cannot, we cannot find our way. We cannot find our way. And, um, and then how the star had led, you know, everyone to the stable where Jesus was born. And um, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And it was this cool time of kind of admitting to yourself, yeah, I yeah. can't find my way. I need a guide and I need, I need Jesus. <laughs> you know, you I know. need this star to lead me to Jesus and I can't do it on my own. So I thought that was really a great song that I loved, but I liked so many of them. The innkeeper song. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought, I love that song that let him in, you know, just this imploring of let him in. I didn't let him in 
but you should let him in. I, it was, that was great. Yeah. So, uh, the innkeeper was actually played by Michael McLean's son, Jeff. <laughs> and it was funny because I was watching the show and I went, that guy looks awfully familiar. Really? And I had seen the two of them on stage perform performed together oh. in college they did they did a concert at my school oh. and I saw the two of them and I recognized some of his hand gestures and mannerisms and I went oh my gosh <laughs> is that his son he's older and hairier but I bet that's him <laughs> that is great is do you, is he about our age or is he older than us you think I mean um, he's probably somewhere between you and me is my okay. guess yeah, yeah. I'm three years younger, Hallmark. <laughs> I was going to say, I lumped us in and you were quick to not lump us in together. <laughs> okay, so he's about, he's about our age. He's about our age. He's about our age. <laughs> <laughs> you got to claim those three years as long as you can. Amen. <laughs> so, yes, but well, he did a great job. And I really, um, I like imagining extra details of Bible stories. I really do. I yeah. feel like not that I'm, you know, making them the truth. Making them up. Yeah. Right. You just put yourself there and it helps to remember this is true. This is real. Wow. What could that have been like? Like, wow, this really happened. So to imagine that innkeeper, I, w I just wonder, you know, did he have a chance to realize, like, did he have a chance to know Jesus? Did and he so know? Yeah. Did he know? Yeah. So this, his song was really neat that way. The other family connection is the woman who played Sarah. And that was John's, uh, that was John's only love. And turns out that it's Michael's only love. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the character of Sarah was played by his real life wife, Lynn. Oh. And so it's a family affair, people. <laughs> Well, it was fun to see the credits roll and to see, you know, so many names. And I thought, oh, yeah, this has got to be, you know, got to be a family affair. I love Well, that. and his son, his son, Scott, wrote uh, at least uh, some version of the script. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's all it, it's it's all there. <laughs> Speaking of Sarah, the other uh, the other song I liked, though it was very short and simple, was Sarah's song. I loved that she let me hold her son. You know, Mary let, let me her hold baby. her baby. Yeah, I mean that again just kind of goes and it just opens your imagination to you know this these other this community that Jesus was raised in and and touched even as a baby and so that was a really sweet song I enjoyed well because we don't know what happened in that stable we don't know if Joseph had to deliver the baby we don't know if there was a midwife there the whole time we don't we don't know we don't <laughs> there there are so few details yeah and yeah. so to imagine that someone could be there to help her through another woman to help her through because that poor girl you know <laughs> she was going through so much that no one yeah. could ever understand mm -hmm. and so the the experience to be able to have another woman there mm -hmm. to help her through mm -hmm. would be so calming mm -hmm. and would be so Oh, I'm, I'm getting a sense of peace just thinking about it. You know, and just, it would it would be so serene, yeah. and especially if that woman was somebody who was never a mother herself. She got a chance to hold and care for a baby who turned out to be the babe of Bethlehem. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, and it just like that that kind of just goes along with what we do know of the Christmas story is how. The invitation that was out there to anyone and everyone come and yes. see come and help come and you know come and be a part of this and so yeah that was that was kind of a neat thing to to think through just like mm -hmm. who else would have been there and um but yeah yeah that was a good one a good song. so let's go through the songs let's yeah. let's list out the songs so number one we got arise and shine forth which is actually a newer edition. Oh. So yeah, so the original story 
that I heard in the 1990s did not have it. I didn't hear this song until 2001. And uh, this, uh, and it was actually a very, very interesting story how I saw this show. A guy asked me out on a date. <laughs> it was my freshman year of college. And he, uh, he had been asking me out on a few dates. He, uh, he really wanted to get serious and I was not ready to get serious at 18. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, Hey, they're going to be showing uh, the Forgotten Carols. I went, what? <laughs> you had me at Forgotten Carols. You had me at Forgotten. <laughs> he said, and uh, and Michael McLean is is going to be playing Uncle John. I went, nah. <laughs> so... I'm there. I don't care if you're there, but I'm there. But I'm there. <laughs> so. so funny. So that, that song... Um, Rise and shine forth. Uh-huh. Rise and shine forth. Um, was that was the people in town singing that song? Yeah, basically. So in the show I saw, it was basically a two-person show with okay. a few other people sprinkled in. So actually, Constance sang it at the end of the show oh. uh, when I when I saw it. But I actually really liked this one. It was engaging. It got the it got the crowd going, and it showed off just how talented Michael McLean is. I didn't know he could play the guitar. Right, and, right. I mean, that was fun. The man played three instruments in this show alone. I can only imagine what else he can play. You know, we I didn't get a chance to ask him. No, so. that's so true. <laughs> yes, I so this is the song that they sang. Um, did they sing the line here? Forgotten. No. Not yet. Okay, you you follow you have it in your notes. So you um lead me here. So this Arise and Shine was very good, upbeat kind of fun, kind of just a great intro. And then we go on to let him in, let him in, let him in with the So Hallmarkies, the whole point is uh, this, this man who has been coined uncle John, he is John, the John, the beloved from the Bible who was granted immortal life until the savior returns again. And so he is being taken care of by a very bitter nurse and, uh, and he teaches her how to open her heart again mm -hmm. and how to love Christmas again and how to let the savior into her heart again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so this whole, this whole story is, uh, is, moved along by the carols who mm -hmm. uh and all of the carols pinpoint someone who is forgotten in the story of the nativity and so and they correspond most of them correspond with an ornament uncle john has a suitcase an old wooden suitcase that has ornaments in it and so let him in is an innkeeper's gate, an ornament of an innkeeper's gate. And <laughs> he was so funny. <laughs> you know, she's handing him the pills, insisting you need to take your medicine. I don't like to take my medicine. And he's <laughs> handing her the ornament to get her to put the ornament on the tree. <laughs> and he he wins, of course, you know, hang of one and sing one song with me afterwards. And then just throughout the whole thing, you know, they they hang an ornament and sing a song and tell a story and like come back and forth to to the whole tree. And uh -huh. I thought that was that was a really kind of cool way to do it and intro another story and another song. But she you know. over the course of the film. Um, of course warms up warms up to decorating the tree warms up to hearing these songs and yes you know mm. and it was like does this have one at one point she said does this have a song that goes with it you know yeah <laughs> she's dating um hearing the song that goes with these ornaments so at first she's totally hesitant and resistant nope I'm just here to give you your medicine but as this story does it draws you in and you start to feel a very personal connection to the story, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Yeah. It calls, um, it calls to you. Oh, 
It calls to you and it calls to me. Oh, wait, wrong song. Wrong song. <laughs> We're not there yet. The next song is Homeless. There's no ornament that corresponds with it, but there is a trash can spray painted like a Christmas tree. Yes. And a group of homeless men. It's a it's a beautiful I don't want to call it a barbershop quartet because there are more parts than a barbershop quartet. Yeah, it's it's acapella. So, but it's a beautiful acapella number um, about how Jesus was homeless most of his life, and that he will not leave us homeless. And in the in the book, it talks about how Constance wants to give them some money which she has never wanted to do Hmm. and no one asks no one asks for money in a in a place where there should have been panhandling and crime and hopelessness all she hears is hope and kindness and warmth And that I was so happy to see the trash can spray painted like a Christmas tree because that's straight out of the book. Oh, so I was like, oh, it's the trash can. I thought that song had really deep spiritual meaning. I mean, indeed, indeed. she is sitting by herself on this bus stop bench and she really is she's alone you know her parents have passed she's she's alone in the world she her heart is hard to um goodness and anything <laughs> anything anything really just um spiritual and so it, it really was depicting her she was spiritually homeless at that point she had no landing place no comfort it was no so the spiritual life that she had she's she, homeless you know and then them proclaiming that Jesus has come, he was homeless so that we never had to be homeless and that we never had to be hopeless. I mean, it was just a real turning point for her, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then those guys had incredible voices. You know, <laughs> they, they were. That was the part I wanted to pull my husband in for because he's a, he, um, he loves acapella. And so. Oh, that, that he does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Okay, uh, next we have the shepherd, and the corresponding ornament is a shepherd's flute, an old-fashioned shepherd's flute that John very annoyingly plays for Constance. <laughs> she's not she she's not too keen on it, but I have to tell you, it's the flute that plays the opening and the closing notes of the production. And they are so hauntingly beautiful. That is the word I was going to use, too. <laughs> yes. They are so hauntingly beautiful. And it just captures you right there. And yeah. so, yeah, the flute is very beautiful. And, this, and the corresponding story is a shepherd who fell asleep and who did not go to the stable. And his friends come back and say we just had the most amazing experience and I thought how sad would that be (laughs) to be the shepherd that missed out (laughs) but you know like this precursor though to all of these people then but all throughout history who will have to believe without seeing, you know and Jesus himself Jesus himself who said blessed are those who believe and don't see and don't and, see yeah because it's what a gift it is to see you know like the disciples did and these shepherds did oh what a blessing and an amazing gift you know that I, that's not the lesser of the two either yeah but but blessed are those who do believe and don't see and that's this shepherd's little you know our imaginary friend here the shepherd his story because and, he chose to believe his friends yes. Yes. Yeah, he's like, I believe, I believed it. I believed what they said. So, so neat. And then at the very end, he says, and do you think you'll join us though? You've not seen a thing. You were not there in Bethlehem to hear yeah. the angels sing. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, wow. <laughs> it's getting me all worked up. 
Um, one other thing that they said in the play, and I had to rewind this because I went, oh my gosh, that, ooh, what was that? What was that? He said, the experience terrified his friends at first. Mm-hmm. But when they realized they didn't need to be scared, mm-hmm. it was the best experience of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me so much of right now. Oh, we are so scared. Yeah. So many of us are so scared and so terrified of what could happen, of what will happen, of what might happen. There are so many what ifs. There are so many uncertainties that scare us. Yeah. But if we put our trust in God and we know that what happens will happen. Yeah. And we give ourselves and our fears over to God. Yeah. This trial, because it is a trial. Yeah. It is a hard thing that we're being asked to go through. But this trial can turn out to be the best experience that we've ever had. Yeah. And oh, that that struck me so hard. And now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> No, that's so good. I mean, just as a testimony to how personal, um, you know, God's word can be to each one of us. I mean, it, yeah. it says it says what it says, but it can be so personal in in its encouragement to each individual heart. It is. Mm-hmm. And then we have a quill pen, whose original owner was a pelican. <laughs> He actually had some really laugh out loud jokes in this. <laughs> he did. And oh my goodness, I did not remember there being that many laugh out loud jokes when I watched it in 2001. But you know, that was almost 20 years ago. Right. And, and, and I was just, <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> that, I mean, if, if you don't feel overly religious, you need to see this movie just for the jokes. <laughs> Exactly. Come, is, come for the good. jokes and the music. <laughs> just good. Just good. Oh my okay, goodness. Okay, so what I have here, we have the quill. What's the fr- um? Handel's dream. Handle. Okay, so what was and- the song? The um, though we may forget the Christ child, he came to give us everything. He, he has not forgotten us. What does that song? I wrote that. Oh, it. oh, that, uh, that comes in just a second. Oh, sorry. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that comes in just a second. <laughs> okay, okay. Good. So I I'm jumping ahead here. I thought I was in order, but, um, okay, good. So, uh, so the ornament is a quill pen that is said to be, so John claims and you got to believe him because he's John the Beloved. Um, <laughs> uh, John claims that it is the pen of George Friedrich Handel. And it's the one that he wrote the Messiah with. And, you know, that was that was cool enough in the 1990s story. But in this newer version, Constance used to be a musician. She used to compose songs. She didn't in the original story. And so there was more of a personal connection, which I really loved. And John tell the carol is a medley of uh, the Messiah. And it's a story of a dream that Handel had of him being an angel in heaven, wanting to sing uh, in the angel choir that announces the holy birth, and he doesn't get to he doesn't get to be in the choir because he has a different voice. But the grand choir master says it will be heard, and boy, do we hear it I, now! What <laughs> I thought was so I thought that was so cool. Okay, so is this a historical like? story of handles i don't know i i i don't know i i was actually thinking about that and i didn't have a way to verify it but i've been listening to the story my whole life i'm like wait a sec right is this a real story (laughs) i wondered if he like had a real dream and stuff but either way way michael mclean wrote this whole scene and the choir master this angel 
um, you kind of got to stick with this story because he does a lot of stories within stories and everything. Yes, he does. You got to stay with him. At first I was like, oh, what? What's happening here? Who are we talking about? But then I realized it was Handel who wrote Handel's Messiah. And he was talking about when he was a little boy. What I thought was so precious is that he said, you know, I have the song in my heart. I can't get it out, but I have it in my heart. And yeah. then the choir just sang what was in his heart. And it be- was this beautiful Handel's Messiah, which mm-hmm. we, we know and we love. And it historically, even though it's religious, it is, it is respected as a everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. So it is, it was so neat to me to, to hear just this, whether it was Michael's made up story or not, it was, it was precious. Yeah. We all have this song in our heart that we want to get out this song of praise and worship. Some of us can't, we really can't do it musically. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand the, the desire for, for worship. If you could only hear what was in my heart, you know, like I want, I want that to be put to music someday and maybe it will, maybe it will in heaven. But, um, so that was, that was neat. The, he, he called it my carol to my king. So it's uh-huh. very personal, very, very personal. Yeah. Um, so yes, so then we have we have the joy to the world and hallelujah handles Messiah. Constance is starting to believe. I mean, she's she's really starting to warm up here. And she is um she still says, Don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. Don't pray for <laughs> me. Says, I'll pray for you. She said, No, no, don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. <laughs> which which is really, I think, very precious in its in its honesty actually because i think what what god wants from us most is our honesty yeah before him to say you know even sometimes maybe i don't believe this or i i'm having trouble here or don't pray for me you know that type of thing i think that can glorify him because we're honest before him and then he can start working in our hearts well and constance's struggle was every time she prayed something bad happened Yes. She prayed for her father and he died because he was a soldier. Yeah. She prayed for her mother and she died. And so every time she prayed, something bad happened. And she, so she didn't want to pray anymore. Didn't want to pray. And, and she felt like it was, it was her fault even. And um, yeah. So, but I loved the honesty of that. Honestly. Yeah. And I, I think we all need to come to that point where we're honest in our own hearts before God to tell him what we're really thinking and really feeling he that yeah. does that's not too much for him to handle you know he no. can handle that yeah. so as soon as she said that and she put words to some doubt of spiritual doubt that way I actually mm-hmm. had more hope for her than I did <laughs> let's uh let's add a little bit of levity in here and talk about the the gag because the gag is in the original story it was in the first play i saw and it was in this one and it is about it it is so funny so when when he asks constance now one thing about constance she is not a connie no she is she is not a connie constance not connie Yes, because Connie is fluff, according to her mother. And uh, and so then John says, I'll call you Connie Lou. And, <laughs> and, and that's the, worse than Connie in her mind. In the book, because her middle name is Louise. And in the book, um, it said, if real life had movies, I mean, if real life had had uh, music the way movies do, then this would be the part where the music, where the gunfight is about to begin. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a great way to describe it. Um, but anyway, so John asks Connie Lou to hang the shepherd's flute on the tree for the for the shepherd's carol. And then he starts, he, he starts panicking and he can't breathe. And, and she's saying, what is it? What is it? Tell me what's wrong. She's a nurse. She's like, he's a well, nurse. She's remembering why she's there. And she's there to take care of him physically. <laughs> right. And so she said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And don't hang it so close next to, don't hang it so close to the other one, Connie Lou. It's a big tree. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, 
He scares the living daylights out of her. And then when he goes to hang the quill, when he goes to hang the quill on the tree, they've just been eating a sandwich. And so she starts choking. He's like, John, John. And like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? What's what's the matter? Don't hang it so close to the other one, Uncle John. It's a big tree. And she kind of like makes herself laugh a little bit. Like she can't, she can't believe she did that. It was so unprofessional. But then she kills herself laughing, and he like she... her a moment, like, okay, keep you know yuck it up. And she hasn't laughed in twenty years. It says she right. hasn't laughed or cried in twenty years, and she's finally. I love that they had, I love that they had her laugh first. Yes. I love that they had her laugh first and not cry first. Yeah. But she just lets herself out snorts and all. It's great. It's so great. And I actually really appreciated that gag as a parent because there's so many times when you're decorating the tree that- not there put it somewhere else it's a big tree so I thought that was so cute how they did that it was adorable (laughs) it was adorable okay so next we have Mary let me hold her baby which is so beautiful so uh this is the part where they kind of combined a couple of things it used to be two different women Sarah was a friend of John's and then there was his only true love, but they combined the two to make it. It it really flowed. It didn't feel. Oh no. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It flowed perfectly. And so Sarah was John's wife. And he says, the only time I wished I could die was when she did. But she made me promise that I would finish my mission. Yeah. And so they had a, um, they had a bow of swaddling cloth that they put on the tree as Sarah. And that's, yeah. That's Sarah's ornament. Yeah. Now she, and she said, you know, I never had children of my own and stuff. So I forgot that that meant John never had children of his own. Right. And well, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Details. <laughs> like, no. We need to go back no. and do some big time research. <laughs> yeah. But we see, but we hear that Sarah came, Sarah was at the hospital. And um, this is a scene where Connie was working at the hospital. Connie, I called her Connie. <laughs> um, Constance was at the hospital working and she needed to this this baby holder volunteer to come. And yeah. so this Sarah came who she thought was this baby holder, this volunteer. But Sarah, you know, through their conversation, it re- realizes Constance realizes that John prayed for Constance and Sarah came as an answer to that prayer. And yeah. she just was like, I told him, you know, to stop praying for me. And, but we see how precious, you know, this, this was this answer to prayers, just what she needed. And hearing her sing this song about Mary, let me hold the baby. And yeah. it was a neat scene. It was really it was short. It was small. Yeah, it was short. And the other thing that I really loved is I think that this is when Constance had a big time turning point because this is where she stopped resisting. And this is where she, this is where she stopped thinking about just herself And she thought of John, not just as a patient, because she's the most competent nurse in the hospital. So she's going to do her job very well. But there's a difference between being a competent nurse and caring for a patient and thinking of a person. And she did not think of him as a patient. She thought of him as a person. And when she saw how sad he was that he missed his wife, Sarah, she opened the music box that he had been playing and she said, may I have this dance? And she dances with him and she lets him teach her the steps of this dance that they did together. And it was a beautiful moment because Constance was able to finally let go of her pain and be selfless. Yeah. 
And it also, I think that's such a great point, but I think it also made her start to be open to his message. Okay. Yes. And she started like, why? Okay. Then tell me like, basically like, why are you here? What is your mission? What do you do? What is your job? You know, basically she's like, you have come and you're, you're telling me things now that I've wanted to hear my whole life. What are you doing? What is going on? So yeah. she really started to open her heart up to his mission. So he was now able to really kind of hone in and do his job, which mm -hmm. he said was to help people remember Jesus because they forget all the time. They forget and all the time. There it is. There's the part that you were talking about. That's so. what it is. I came to it. I put my, notes, my notes were in order now, but I. <laughs> <laughs> so I we, so John carved Connie a red cross ornament. That was something that he made for her. It was not part of his original collection. And this is when he plays the song, Will We Forget? Yeah. And, I, and I really like this because, because he sings, Will We Forget? And then Constance sits down at the piano and she sings, I thought I'd seen all the lights and sung all the songs. I thought the holiday lasted a bit too long. <laughs> I never shed any tears when Christmas was through until I celebrated one with you. And this is me. I cry the day that I take the tree down. <laughs> I sing that every year on the day we take the tree down. I Because I do. I love the Christmas season. I love the feelings. I love celebrating the Savior. I love all of the activities. I love the warmth. I love watching my children. I love that I got proposed to at Christmas. I love Christmas. And so when the tree comes down, I cry. <laughs> I've actually heard you say that before. So when, <laughs> he, when she sang it, I said, oh, wait a minute. Cammie has said this before. I've heard her say it before. So I knew exactly where you got it. But but that feeling, that inspiration, that Christmas time and lights bring and, you know, all of that is, it is sad to see that go. But it, it is. definitely builds the anticipation for it the next year. But it is sad. It is sad. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of his point, you know, like, how do we carry this on throughout the year? How do we keep this going? And how do we have this feeling six months from now? Right. No. Right. Six months from now, he is, he is forgotten. You know, yeah. why, why do we do that? So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting that Jesus is the topic of a forgotten Carol. Ah, interesting. Ooh. The death here, the death. <laughs> Okay, now we come to Joseph. my my favorite, Joseph. Yes. The ornament is a cradle, mm -hmm. and the song is not one that John wrote, or he, well, he found it, but it wasn't from John. It was a song written by Constance's father, who and who he John. John met Constance's father. This is different from the original story. Her father did not die tragically. Her mother did in the original story. And when I was watching this, I started sobbing. <laughs> it was so beautiful seeing him in the background playing the guitar as if he's composing it. And to see Constance at the piano because John copied down the carol that her father wrote and that she had never seen the music or heard the full song. You know, I thought this was cool because it kind of, it, it tied up an, a little storyline that the mother Tied. introduced in the first act. Yes. Where 
he said, you, if you compose, you better write stuff down because uh -huh. um, your father never wrote stuff down. And now we have nothing of his left and that we don't, we don't have anything. It all died with him. And um, so she almost got mad at Constance. Yeah. Like, you don't do this unless you write it down. And uh, then we come to the, and you know, Constance as a child and kind of feeling like, oh, okay. You know, like she was in trouble. Yeah. But then we see and we hear this answer. Why didn't the father write down the stuff he composed? He couldn't read music. He couldn't he did read it music. all from his heart. He did it all from his head. And that was something that John, Uncle John knew. So he composed it. He wrote it down for him, which I thought was so sweet. And so like just a gift of an answer for her. Well, he and the song it. and the yeah. song that was talking about a father came from her father it yeah just, oh my gosh oh my gosh it was just it was just beautiful it was so it was. beautiful and then the final carol I cannot find my way it goes with the star yes that is supposed to go at the top of the tree but I know because of time and safety and all of that <laughs> that they did not put it at the top of the tree on on stage but in the book in the original story it is the star that goes at the top of the tree which makes <laughs> that makes more sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um I, th I thought this song was beautiful it brought in the whole chorus i mean it just was one of those it was just really really full really celebratory and honest again hear me with that honesty but i love yeah. how honest it was we cannot find our way we cannot like at all <laughs> so we've got we need you and we need the star and then three kings found the lord and so can we it just oh i, I just want to start marching to it or something yeah. <laughs> from shepherds to kings though i mean how amazing yeah. is that? like and anybody everybody is welcome at the at the yeah. foot of the manger at at the foot of the cross i mean it is beautiful welcome it is sorry it is and then we have this beautiful tradition that he started i don't know when i don't know when he started this tradition but michael mclean the show is over the the show is over and he comes out on stage and just starts playing the piano while he talks to the audience. And that he did the same thing when I saw to no one. And then he starts singing this song that he composed. We can be together forever someday. And he says to sing it to somebody you love whether it's somebody who's on the other side of the world, whether it's someone who has already passed, mm -hmm. or whether it's somebody that you just can't reach out and touch right now. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> um, he, when I was in the audience, he actually had us link arms and sway back and forth while we sang it. And, <laughs> It was just the tiniest bit awkward because I was on a date with a guy who wanted to date me seriously and I did not feel the same way. And I'm singing, we can be together <laughs> forever someday. I was like, um, 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 don't get any ideas. <laughs> right, don't get, no, don't. We're not engaged now, so don't think that. <laughs> but putting, But putting all that aside, he he insisted that nobody get up and cheer and clap when the show was over. He wanted the show to end like that with that beautiful sentiment of remembering people that we loved and that we can be together forever someday mm -hmm. and to have the emphasis remain on the Savior. Yeah. Yeah, was, and he did that. He didn't end it with it. Um, he, he actually had people end by singing Silent Night in this show that I... The, in this one, yes, in this one. This one he did, which I thought um, that was, that was sweet because it's celebrating the community that we have now, 
whether mm-hmm. it's a heart community or whatever. But then it's lifting our eyes up to the Savior as well. Silent night, holy night. None of this is possible without you. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I thought that was a, a sweet ending too. Yeah. Great. Humble, very humble way to end it, which is like our Savior, who is a humble Savior. So I, yeah. uh, that was neat. Okay, Carrie. So if you had to pick one thing, because we've talked about the storyline and how much it touches us. Yeah. What was the thing that visually stimulated you the most? Good question. Okay, while you're thinking, I'm going to answer. <laughs> yes, do, do. <laughs> it's called a scrim. It's a black curtain that mm-hmm. when you put the light in front of it, it appears opaque, mm-hmm. like a black curtain. I'm talking like an actress. Yes, bear with me. <laughs> But when you shine a light behind it, it's translucent, almost transparent, and you can see the stuff behind it. And that was so incredible that you go from a front room in the 21st century to an inn in Bethlehem. Yes. With just a trick of the light. And then the angel choir standing on the yes. earth. I went, oh my gosh. Yes. That was so amazing. <laughs> that was. I think that was the the most visually inspiring thing about that. You know, because it could you could change. You can ebb and flow into you know, time and space, like they were doing with their imagination. You know, he was telling the story, but you could go back in time. You could go back to her childhood. You can, um, you know, she can walk in the town and she can come to the bus stop and things like that. Go, that was important. It was such an mm-hmm. important aspect of the stage. Yet it, it really just invited you in, imagine with your imagination. So yeah, yeah. I really agree. That was that was awesome. Okay, so this time, this time I won't answer. So this is all. This is all okay, you. Okay. What joke did you laugh the hardest at? <laughs> I laughed. I have to be honest with you. It was so bad, but I laughed so hard at that plastic surgeon snowman joke. <laughs> tell, tell the joke. Tell the joke. <laughs> so she. So there's this doctor in the hospital who. He likes her and he always tries to make her laugh, but she never laughs at his jokes. And so he loves Christmas too. And so he was getting out this, um, this snowman decoration. And she was like, do we have to have that right here? And he said, no, no, it adds cosmetic um, appeal or something to it's cosmetic. It's here for cosmetic reasons. And she was like, what? And he said, because it's a plastic surgeon or something, <laughs> something like that. Right. <laughs> Cause it was this plastic snowman. I don't know. It was, it's, I'm not explaining it well, but it was so funny. And it was the first thing she laughed at as, as his jokes too. It was, so, of, it was, was the like, first joke of his that she laughed at. Yeah. Okay. That's real. Like I, I laughed at it loud. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing that made her crack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hardy's obviously we cannot explain the full experience. No, you'll have to watch it. You're yes. going to have to watch it. Yes. It is available in theaters. Yeah. It is available on DVD. It's available on the Living Scriptures streaming service. It might okay. even be free temporarily, but just look up Living Scriptures. Uh, you can go to forgottencarols.com and mm-hmm. you can find a lot. You can find the DVD and you can also find ways to. Uh, ways to watch it my in-laws won't hear this before christmas so i'll say we bought it for them <laughs> <laughs> okay good well Tammy, i have i have a question one question for you if we have time for it oh, oh um, she's got a question after, ha- this being such a nostalgic show experience for you and you have yeah. so many memories attached to it you know i know you recently just watched it um what was your takeaway for where you are right now in your life what was your takeaway this time? Hope. Hope. Hope for forever. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching the show and listening to it all those years, I hadn't lost my dad. Right. When I was watching it and listening to it, I wasn't a mom. 
<laughs> and watching it now as a mom and as somebody who has lost their father, mm-hmm. I was sobbing like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I regained. I regained such a hope that if we turn to our Savior, if we truly give him our pain, if we repent of our sins and let him have our burdens, we can have hope for a better life on the earth and for a life that is unbelievable superior in the life after and the hope of seeing my dad again and the hope of having him see his grandchildren and the the hope that I will be able to be with the descendants that I'll leave behind Mm -hmm. hope for forever yeah yeah hope Hope is a very powerful word. Very, it is. Very powerful word. Yeah, I love that. I, I just the whole show was so um, so deep spiritually, and I don't even think you have to like you said you don't have to be um, a religious person of your faith, a religious person of my faith to to really um, appreciate this um, timeless story at, at Christmas time and. I just love, it's the forgotten carols. But one thing they really emphasized was God has not forgotten you. God yeah. will not forget you. And um, how, how we so soon forget, but he never does. And just that he sent his son to be the savior of the world. And that is still true today. I mean, he has not gone back on these promises that he will defeat evil, sin, death, oppression, injustice. I mean, he is, he will give hope, give life, all of these awesome and amazing things he hasn't forgotten. And though it seems like that sometimes to us in the day in and day out, doesn't it? Like you said, it's a hard year. So I love that. That was my takeaway too, is he's, he hasn't forgotten. So such a, a hopeful, hopeful show. Definitely look it up. Definitely watch it. Um, you will enjoy it. Well, and it's funny that you should say that you don't have to be of a certain faith to enjoy the show because here's a little secret for you. The man who played Dr. Halifax, he's Jewish. (laughs) He's Jewish. And Michael told us in the interview, he said that he asked him, does this bother you? That you're in a show, because they're best friends. They've been best friends for a long time. And he said, does this bother you that you're in a show all about Jesus? And he said, you know what, Michael? The message of this show is so powerful. You call him Jesus. I call him the God of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And no matter what our faith, the message of this show is so powerful that it needs to be told. Yeah. So there you have it <laughs> from a Jewish man who is a part of the show. That's how powerful this story and this message is. So go find it somehow so you can enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And rejoice in that original Christmas story that, that we all just love and can learn from even today. So and here. And hear Christmas songs that you've never heard before that can become as familiar to you as Away in the Manger. Yes. <laughs> so, and Carrie. How fun. Cammy. this was so much fun. It was so much fun. I'm just dying over here. Okay. Okay. Back to business. Carrie, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Hallmark Comics. That's Hallmark underscore comics. And she got, and she has some really, really funny comics. Can I just say? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And you can find me on. uh, uh, Mm. Ah. Edit, edit that, please. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cami Drama Girl. Cami is spelled K-A-M-I. You can find me on Facebook, the Hooked Hardy Facebook page. My blog is hookedhardy.com. I am also on Deliver Me a Podcast and Hardy's Hotline. You can also find me there if you're a When Calls the Heart or Science Seal Delivered fan. And please make sure that you are following the Hallmarkies podcast on Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast all over social media. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a rating and review. And if you're watching on YouTube, which is really fun because you see our Christmas wear, we're wearing it's summer. It's here. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> then please give us a thumbs up we really appreciate it please consider becoming a patron you get lots of perks especially around the holidays and we have watch-alongs that are really fun because we we yes they are because we get together as a group and sometimes we're even able to have a writer or a director or an actor from the movie watch with us and it's a great treat and uh, we also have our merch store, so please take a look at that, especially if you're doing some Christmas shopping. And we will see you all next time. Bye! Bye! Thanks for joining!